his contract expires in the summer. Uh, talks are ongoing between Arsenal uh, and Rhys Nelson's representative. You know, that goal as well, um, a last-minute winner against Bournemouth, I think is certainly going to help his cause. Declan Rice, um, if you saw his interview after West Ham's game at the weekend, um, doesn't seem like the kind of player who maybe sees himself uh, at West Ham in the long term. I think there is a kind of resignation from everyone um, involved that he will leave West Ham this summer. It was just a performance that was just unbelievable, really, and, and a performance that I think we more associate with the Manchester United of last season, that they just you know, had no fight, no backbone, no desire. And I think the concerning thing would be for Ten Hag that there was a return to that, albeit even for one afternoon. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Chris Wheatley Show, National World's brand new weekly podcast that aims to keep you in the know on all things Premier League. I'm your host, Jason Jones, and I'm joined as always by Chris Wheatley, as well as Manchester World's Michael Plant. We'll be discussing all sorts of things as the season progresses, but this week we'll be taking a closer look at Arsenal's dramatic late win over Bournemouth. We'll be examining Manchester United's utter capitulation against Liverpool. And as always, we'll be putting your listener questions to Chris as well. So without further ado, Chris... Always good to see you, mate. We might as well get straight into it because, I mean, what a weekend of Premier League football. Unbelievable, yeah. Uh, I think it was probably one of the best weekends we've had this season and for probably many years as well. I can't remember uh, a weekend where there was such a kind of array of results um, and drama as well. And I think starting with that Arsenal game, especially, it was fantastic the way Arsenal uh, managed to win that game. They came back from two goals down. Um, but that doesn't really tell the whole story of the game. I think just the way the match started um, was pretty crazy when you think about it. Philip Billing scored after nine seconds. I think it was 9.11 seconds. It was the second fastest Premier League goal. Uh, Bournemouth manager Gary O'Neill said after the game um, that it was something that they worked on. I'm not quite sure I believe him on that, but regardless, it certainly worked. Um, and it was a great move from from Bournemouth. And they played really well, um, especially in that first half. But they really did kind of capitulate in the second. And I think what Arsenal have is just uh, a lot of options from the substitutes bench. I think the, the players they brought on made a huge difference. Um, you look at someone like Thomas Partey, who got that goal, uh, pulled one back. And then Ben White came off the bench as well to score an equaliser. But it was really a game about the academy graduate Reese Nelson who scored in the last second of of play uh, from a corner uh, he took the ball down on his left foot and drove a really good shot um, past the keeper Neto and it was a great effort um, celebrations were unbelievable um, I, th- I don't think that Emirates has been that loud for a very long time um, but yeah fantastic result for Arsenal and I really do think I know we've been saying it pretty much week in, week out. But this does feel like a kind of title-defining result for Arsenal. Um, And I think Mikel Arteta, you could see as well, his celebrations on the sidelines. Uh, It means a lot to to the team and it means a lot to him. I mean, it's so rare, isn't it, to see a game where you have a goal in the first 10 seconds and then one in the last 10 seconds as well. You know, and I I think what you said there, certainly from a sort of outside perspective, looking at it, it, it felt as if Arsenal knew how significant it was that they found that winning goal. You know, you look at the reactions of, of Nelson's teammates, you know, players laid out on the floor, players with their head in hands and utter disbelief that they've been able to, to bring it back. I mean, let's not forget 2-0 down with half an hour to go as well. You know, it's not as if 
Bournemouth struck twice early and Arsenal got immediately back into it. They had to really graft away at this one, really sort of, you know, uh, erode away at Bournemouth's admirable defence, to be fair to them. But like you say, it was it, it almost felt as if, you know, Arsenal understood how important it was that they got a win in this game. Obviously, the points is one thing and you want to maintain that gap between themselves and Manchester City. But to be able to do it from a, a mentality point of view as well, it's something that we seem to talk about week in, week out. But it gets to a point, doesn't it, where it stops being a matter of good fortune and it starts being a hallmark of a side where we are continually talking about Arsenal digging themselves out of these situations. And you might argue that they don't want to find themselves in those situations in the first place. But the fact that they're able to get themselves out of it week on week on week, that belief in in their title-winning credentials must just be growing. Absolutely. I I think the table doesn't lie, does it? You, You look at the... The points that Arsenal have tallied so far, I think it could have been more. Um, and it would have been more, of course, if that Brentford goal from Ivan Tony was chalked off. Um, but, you know, regardless of that, I think Arsenal have played the best football this season. And like you say, Jace, they've managed to carve out those results in games which look like they were kind of getting away from them. Um, that game against Aston Villa recently was an example of that. Um, and I think they're showing the kind of spirit um, as a mentioned at the weekend of champions you know they're showing that kind of champion mentality which we've seen in the likes of Man City and Liverpool down the years Um, but I think it's worth mentioning as well like if you look at if you're Manchester City playing Newcastle earlier in the day you you finish up you've just won your game and you're back on the team coach um, after the match watching that Arsenal game and you see the way that Arsenal have kind of won that game, you're going to be probably quite deflated. Um, and I think Arsenal now are, are really kind of heads-on favourites to to win the Premier League. And uh, I think there's a lot of kind of neutral pundits as well who want Arsenal to do it. Um, and I, I think, you know, the way they're playing at the moment, they're certainly deserving of their position. But yeah, it's going to be a, a really interesting run-in. There's still plenty of games to go, of course. And I don't think there's going to be any kind of uh, complacency uh, at where Arsenal are at the moment because, like like I said, there's still plenty of football to be played. And just a quick word on Reese Nelson as well. I know, obviously, we've touched on this already and we've spoke about it before as well, the importance of the squad over the team and being able to call on those players in those moments. Reese Nelson, not a player who's had a great, team, uh, a great deal of game time this season, rather. But to come on and, and, and to make that sort of impact, such a crucial impact, it's the sort of thing that if Arsenal do go on to win this title, he will forever be remembered as a player who was able to turn around that game for them, was able to sneak those extra two points for them. And I mean, it must be a great feeling for him as, as an academy graduate as well. Yeah, you're right. He, he doesn't need to do anything else now, does he? He's he scored that last-minute winner in a kind of Premier League title race. So I think... Yeah, if Arsenal win the league, he's going to go down as a as an Arsenal legend. And don't forget that the boy's been at Arsenal from the age of nine years old. So he he's lived, breathed Arsenal um, from such a young age. He doesn't really know anything else. Um, his celebration was, wasn't perhaps how I would have expected a, an academy graduate to celebrate. He was very cool, very calm, almost like he, he didn't believe that he just scored a last-minute winner. But... You know, Reese Nelson is a player who Mikel Arteta likes. He works really hard. He's really improved over the past year or so. He had a spell out uh, on loan at Feyenoord, which really helped him in his development. And I think, yeah, playing over in, in Holland is 
certainly going to help any player, um, especially the, the top flight of Dutch football. And yeah, he's a he's a player that Arsenal now going to be looking to tie down. They have been for a while. I think we discuss it in the in the Q and A section, but. Nelson, his contract expires in the summer. And uh, yeah, what a, a better way to kind of justify a new contract for yourself than scoring um, in such a, a key game, a, a key moment. Um, but yeah, a really, really special moment for, for Bruce Nelson, his family um, and everyone connected with, with ALN. Obviously, the biggest result of the weekend in the Premier League Manchester United's 7-0 defeat to Liverpool at Anfield. Michael, you're on man for all things Manchester. I mean, just an unbelievable result, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it was a result that we really didn't see coming. Um, United came into this, obviously, in a much better state of mind than, than Liverpool did. Liverpool have been so kind of inconsistent this season. And United come in the back of beating Barcelona, winning the Carabao Cup, beating West Ham, or coming from behind to beat West Ham in, in the FA Cup. And it was just a performance that was just unbelievable, really, and, and a performance that I think we more associate with the Manchester United of last season. That they just, you know, had no fight, no backbone, no desire. And I think the concerning thing would be for Ten Hag that there was a return to that, albeit even for one afternoon. But the big concern for me will be the likes of Martinez, Varane, Casemiro that they also kind of wielded under the pressure of Anfield, and it was a really, really concerning afternoon for Eric Ten Hag. I mean, a concerning afternoon, but more than anything, a concerning second half, really. United were more than in the game for the first. And I mean, you know, watching the game, what do you think went wrong in that second 45? It's a funny one sometimes when you're at these games. You kind of just, you're, you're, you're just looking up and down and sometimes it, it all just happens so fast. But I mean, I think there was individuals that just kind of completely willed it. As I say, Martinez was, was just the worst I've ever seen him play. Bruno Fernandes just completely lacked discipline. I mean, there was evidently a lack of kind of defensive work great of players tracking back the likes of, likes of Anthony um, Fernandez and I thought when Ganacho came back on he didn't work back either um, I thought that they obviously kind of like lost the head a little bit I mean at one point Martinez was following whoever he was marking out to kind of like left wing and leaving a big gap at centre back uh, there was a couple of you know I thought Varane is probably the worst I've ever seen him play for United Luke Shaw kind of collapsed um, there was big issues down United's right it was just a culmination of a whole load of things really but I think that the big kind of concern is just whether this was a one-off or blip or whether this is a little a first glimpse that there, that everything perhaps isn't as, as rosy as we've been saying for the last couple of weeks I mean that's the thing though isn't it they've been so good for so long I think there's an argument to be made for them being certainly one of, if not the most impressive side in the Premier League over the past month or so, you know. Obviously, you mentioned as well the Carabao Cup win against Newcastle. Utterly dominated that match. I don't think Newcastle really laid a glove on them. To go and get the result that they did against Barcelona was hugely impressive. I guess the big question is sort of, do you believe that Eric Ten Hag is able to then get into these players today, get them into Carrington and go, you know what, we can write this off as a one-off, a horrendous one-off, but this is not the team that we are, we have become over the past few weeks, you know? Well, I mean, I totally agree with what you say. And I mean, in, in a separate podcast last week, I, I said that, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion that along with Napoli, they've probably been the best team in Europe since the World Cup. And I mean, <laughs> a week later, they're losing 7-0 at Anfield. So that was a good conclusion to draw. But um, listen, they, they've, they've had 
other low moments this season on uh, United under Ten Hag. There was obviously the, the first two losses at the start of the season, Brighton and Brentford. Brentford in particular was just absolutely terrible. They had obviously the, the disappointing loss to Manchester City, uh, 6-3 at the Etihad, a scoreline which flatters United actually. And then there was the game at Villa Park, which they lost, which they were really kind of abject and couldn't compete again. But I think the concern will be all those performances on maybe slightly excluding the Villa one which wasn't kind of quite the same extent as the others but all those kind of came in this little period where we thought the Ten Hag was getting you know taking the reins and was in control and in charge and and and, and it has been to be fair I mean you can't take that away from him and, and the team but I think that will be the concern now that this is the first time that he's got the team in shape and they've gone back almost fallen back to this old behaviour that this um kind of personality and, and the way that they've acted in, in previous years so that'll be the concern but and look going to Anfield and losing there's no shame in that great teams will go there and lose and, and there's no issue or problem with that the problem is losing one by the scoreline that they did and two just by the performance where they just absolutely gave up and that's the bit that is completely unacceptable uh, in my eyes Michael where do you think Man United will finish uh, this season and especially when you look they've got two games in hand in the Premier League uh, over City and Arsenal. There were some pundits who suggested that they still are title contenders before the uh, the game at Anfield. Do you think Man United are still title contenders? I, no, I don't think so. No, I, I think they were always kind of on the, on the very fringes of that tight race. I just think that... I think we always thought they probably would lack the consistency over the whole course of the season to, to go and kind of go toe-to-toe with Arsenal or, or City. And that they're just not quite at that level yet in that development um, I do think that they will comfortably finish in the top four still despite yesterday and, and, and the result and the performance I think that they I mean like you look at the teams chasing I mean I know Liverpool had that great win yesterday they have not been consistent this season Spurs I mean I think Spurs are terrible team really I don't know either they're so high up on the table Newcastle are, are kind of dropped their forms dropped off a cliff of late so I still think United will comfortably make top four it's just I don't think they'll be anywhere near the, the shake-up or the title race and listen that might not be the end of the world at the end of the day because they're still going to I think they're going to go deep in the Europa League and the FA Cup as well they've got a very good chance of, of kind of going right to, well I mean to say the latter stages they're already in the quarterfinals so they're already kind of there a little bit so yeah and obviously you were at the match yesterday, Michael. Just a word on Liverpool as well. It, it felt more like the Liverpool of all. Do you think that was a reflection on their performance or do you think it was in large part a reflection of how poorly Manchester United played? With these things, I think it's always a mixture of both, isn't it? I mean, I think that United completely capitulated and, and Liverpool were absolutely fantastic. Um, I think the encouraging thing for Klopp will be that that's the first time, I mean, I don't I don't watch Liverpool every week and, and stuff, but that's the first time that it seems you've got that front three kind of, Farron and on all cylinders and I mean for your, for your front three to get six goals between them all is, is in one game is obviously pretty spectacular I think the encouraging thing for him would be as well that the fullbacks were bombing forward creating loads of chances that hasn't always happened this season and they completely won that midfield battle against Casemiro who doesn't really lose midfield battles um, and, and he was completely overrun by Henderson um, Harvey Elliott and, and Fabinho. So, yeah, I thought they were really good. And, and I do expect Liverpool to, to... I know they've had a couple of false dawns this season, but I do expect them to kick on this now. And, you know, I think they've got every chance of, of wrapping up the top four players as well, alongside United. Now, as always, I've got plenty of listener questions to get through, Chris. We'll start with the man of the moment, Reese Nelson. Obviously, 
goal scorer, match winner on Saturday afternoon against Bournemouth. We've had loads of questions about him this week, asking what his contract situation is and whether or not you see him signing a potential renewal with Arsenal. Yeah, well, actually, it was a coincidence, perhaps, that I wrote about Reese Nelson a week or so ago uh, and his contract situation, which is an interesting one. His contract expires in the summer. Uh, talks are ongoing between Arsenal uh, and Reese Nelson's representative. And I think, would imagine that he's going to sign a new contract. I think he's already said in January that he wants to stay at the club. He's an Arsenal boy. Um, and I think from Reese Nelson's perspective, um, he would want to stay at Arsenal. And, you know, that goal as well, um, a last minute winner against Bournemouth, I think is certainly going to help his cause. Um, so, yeah, I would expect him to um, find a solution there. But, yeah, Arsenal are in talks with Reese Nelson and there is interest as well from other clubs, uh, over three Premier League clubs and over three uh, foreign clubs interested in signing him. Um I think there's probably going to be a lot more clubs as well after after his goal. But yeah, it's a, a situation to watch out for. But Arsenal are trying to tie down the futures of their best young players. And Reese Nelson is certainly one of those. Is he a player who Arteta sees as someone who can potentially break into that first team going forward? Or do you think that he is regarded as a, a sort of squad player that they would like to sort of bulk out the numbers of anything? I think he's always been considered as a kind of fringe player, as an impact player, someone who could come on for the final 30 minutes of games and make a difference, as he did against Bournemouth, you know, with that assist uh, and goal. But I think maybe with those kind of performances and scoring such important goals and, and really making a difference, I think it's only going to help his cause. And eventually that will turn into starting places because... You know, if you're continue, continuously playing well, scoring goals and producing the goods, um, then he's not just going to be used um, off the bench or as a substitute. So I think it's up to Reese Nelson, really, to show what he can do in those minutes um, where he gets chances. And I think then he will get game time. Um, and I'm sure that will play a part in his decision um, behind signing a new contract or going elsewhere. But um, at the moment, things are looking very positive. Um and if I was inside Reese Nelson's head, I would probably stay at Arsenal because, you know, they're on course to to win the league. Champions League next season, a lot more game time is pretty much guaranteed. So, um, yeah, it's one to, to watch out for, for sure. We saw Leandro Trossard hobble off against Bournemouth. We've had uh, quite a few questions just asking how serious that injury is. Well, Mikel Teta said after the game that the injury doesn't look too good. Um, I think Trossard said that he couldn't continue. Uh, he will go for a scan um, and we'll hear more ahead of Arsenal's game uh, against Sporting uh, this week. But other than that, um, we don't really have a concrete update as to how serious it is. Um, I think the good news was that he did walk off the pitch. You know, he wasn't stretched off. Um, but, you know, nowadays that doesn't mean too much, um, especially with, with those kind of like minuscule injuries where players can be out for two to three weeks or even longer. So, yeah, we're just waiting on that one at the moment, but um, hopefully it's not too bad for Trossard because he's uh, made a, a big impact since he's joined in, in January. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we've touched on this quite a lot already on the podcast. Obviously, we've seen the impact that Arsenal's 
January signings of Hard, Trossard especially, is, is going to be taking a real great impact. We know that they're after midfield reinforcements in the summer. Uh, we've got a question here asking what the likelihood is of Arsenal going out and signing two midfielders in the summer. So, see, we've seen them linked with the likes of Declan Rice, Moises Caicedo. Is it the case that they would look to bring just one of those players in or, or could you foresee a situation where they do maybe look to, to make a sort of double swoop? I think we've mentioned it um, a couple of times over the past few weeks that Arsenal are definitely going to go for two midfield players this summer. Um, as you mentioned, Jace, Declan Rice is one of those targets. I don't think Arsenal are going to go past that £100 million mark, which West Ham value him at, um, but they're certainly going to try hard uh, to sign him this summer. Um, and he's a player who... I think would be willing to come. You know, like I said before, he's friends with Bakayo Saka. He knows Jack Wilshere very well from their time together at West Ham. Um, so it's certainly a move which makes sense for all concerned. And Declan Rice, um, if you saw his interview after West Ham's game at the weekend, um, doesn't seem like the kind of player who maybe sees himself uh, at West Ham in the long term. I think there is a kind of resignation from everyone. Uh, involved that he will leave West Ham this summer. Um, and then in terms of Arsenal's other midfield targets, Moise Caicedo has just signed a new long-term contract at Brighton. But as we know in football, contracts don't really mean too much. Um, I think really that just gives Brighton that added financial protection. There was also kind of rumours that Caicedo was on quite a low salary relative to his teammates. So I think that's one of the reasons why they've... Um, offered him new terms. But yeah, Arsenal will try and sign two midfielders this summer. Declan Rice, certainly one of those. Um, and then there's a long list of players on a short list, which include the likes of Yuri Tillmans and Moise Caicedo, of course. A couple of players out on loan uh, from the Emirates at the moment as well. Nicola Pepe, Pablo Mari, both over in Europe at the moment. We've had a couple of questions just sort of asking what their long-term future is at the club. Do you see them coming back into the fold or do you think that their time at Arsenal is, is essentially done? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty much done for both of them unless something drastic changes in the next couple of months. Uh, I think Pablo Mari is a player that Arsenal have been willing to let go for quite a while now. He's kind of surplus to requirements at Arsenal. Um, he's currently at Monza in Italy. Um, they will sign him unless they get relegated, uh, essentially. So um, I think it will be around £6 million, just under that. Um, that Monza will pay for him this summer. Um, and similar story for Nicola Pepe, who I think will return to Arsenal and then they will try and find a solution for his future. Um, currently at Nice, uh, whether or not they have the kind of funds or resource to, to sign him permanently is another question. Uh, but Nicola Pepe is certainly happy in France. And I think there is, uh, again, uh, an acceptance that he will uh, leave Arsenal this summer. I mean, you would assume, what was it, £72 million they signed him for? They're probably going to have to take quite a significant hit on that, aren't they? Yeah, quite a big hit, I think. It's going to be a, a surprise if Arsenal could get anywhere near that amount for, for Pepe this summer, especially when you look at the, the finances of French clubs. Um, I, I don't think anyone other than PSG would be able to pay uh, in upwards of £20 million. And also, I don't think Pepe's valuation... Um, is considered that high now. Uh, he's a good player, certainly a player who contributed at times at Arsenal, mostly in the Europa League group stages. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's pretty much a, a disappointing move. 
That's all we've got time for in this week's show. Join us again next week when we'll be discussing all of the latest Premier League news and developments. In the meantime, follow all the latest sports news at www.nationalworld.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at National World. Thanks to Chris. Thanks to you for listening. The show was produced by Mark Wilson.